Good morning. It's good to be with everybody this morning. And, um, you know, I, I want to just open with a statement that I, I just felt as we were worshiping. Since we're looking at, I've got a little feedback here. <clears throat> Since we were looking, we've been looking at the gifts of the Spirit. Um, if I don't say it now, I'm afraid that I will forget it when I get to that part of the message. I don't think it's so accurate. For example, uh, what transpired a minute ago, tongues and interpretation, uh, that's been happening through me for many, many years. And I'm very careful not to say I have the gift of interpretation or I have the gift of tongues in public meeting. The reality is we all have the Holy Spirit. And I don't claim a gift. We have the Spirit of God living on the inside of us, and He can move through us however He chooses. Anybody can do what I just did because I didn't do it. It was a yielding to the Holy Spirit. And um, uh, God has so much more for us. Uh, there's a universe beyond what all of us know. Uh, and and it's, that's what we're doing here when we speak about this morning or on Wednesday night. So I really encourage you, change your schedule if you have to, but be with us on Wednesday night. It's very beneficial. Not because it's me, because I don't see it as me. It's, it's really the truth of what God says. And today what we want to do is we want to look at, you know, that would be great if it was a teleprompter. It's not, though. Anyway, uh, I just happened to see that. That would be awesome. Uh, today we're looking at uh, a lot of the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians. Uh, one body, talking about the body of Christ. The Bible talks about the church being the body of Christ, where Christ lives today by his spirit, by the spirit of the living God. We are Christ's body. There's one body, but there's many parts. And so what can happen? It has happened too many times uh, if, if we in leadership don't take the proper posture, we just become performers on Sunday morning. And you guys never do anything. And you don't even think you can do anything. And uh, what Paul and Minda were talking about, about being in Christ, uh, you know, and even what I feel like the Lord was saying to us about being in Christ. See, Jesus was an awesome leader. He did not, he was not aloof. He was with the people. And I like to put it like this. Jesus became like us so that we can be like him. Jesus came to those that he was raising up. He spent time with them. He ate meals with them. He even ate meals with people that weren't believers, so to speak, and tax collectors of all things. He met with, he had lunch with the IRS agents. And, and so what I'm saying is, is that he imparted something to people. And that's really our responsibility in leadership. I don't want to perform for you. There was a day I was a performer. And those days, I pray, never come back. And, and the fruit of that can be what the next slide says, to be a part, to be a part and not being equipped and released to function as God planned is to feel apart. And God doesn't want us ever to feel apart. But if we are a part of the body and are equipped and released to function, then we won't feel apart. We're all members of his body. Uh, you know you are a believer 
but you just don't feel like you belong, maybe. Well, hear this. We want to help you discover. We want to help you discover who God made you to be. We want to help you to discover your God-given gifts and functions so that you can become intentionally active in what God has for you. God has so much for every one of us. And to be active for the sake of being active is, is, not, is not where it's at. But to know that, hey, this is who I am. This is what God has given me. This is what he's equipped me to do. And what I'm doing is that which he's given me to do. And I'm telling you, there is fulfillment and satisfaction in that. All too often, we just go through the motions. And there's no fun in going through the motions. And if you look at the next slide, our sense of belonging increases with our purposeful functioning in community. When I'm functioning purposefully in a church family, then I belong, and I know I belong. This is reality. So we, we all, today we're going to consider the gifts or the manifestations I prefer to call them manifestations, but we can call them either, of the Spirit. And we want to do it in a practical, down-to-earth way. We don't want to set this as something way up here that only the few can attain to. We want to present it in a practical, down-to-earth way that each and every one of us can expect that God will use us in these gifts. Functioning in the gifts of the Spirit will enable us to be used in God's purpose and plan for our lives. It's not the only thing, but it's a very significant thing. So why do we need to understand the gifts of the Spirit? Why do we need to understand that? Well, Paul gives us some insights into the why. We'll begin reading in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I've highlighted in blue some of the things that are very pertinent for us to see. All of these are very pertinent things, but... I'm going to do this as quickly as possible. Verse 1, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. So God wants us to be uninformed. Informed, excuse me. <laughs> That's right. God wants us to be informed. Um, Paul wrote this, but he wrote it by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So God doesn't want us to be uninformed. There are different kinds of gifts, but it's the same Spirit distributing them. There are different kinds of service, but it's the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, those verses talk about diversity. This is not talking about vanilla only. There's different kinds of gifts. There's different kinds of service and there's different kinds of working. Maybe you feel like you're different from everybody else. Well, join the crowd. I'm different from everybody else. Everybody's different. And, and God loves that. God loves diversity. He's not interested in us being all the same and dressing the same and talking the same. And There is diversity. And, and we have to understand that God accepts us. You know, the astonishing thing is that God loves us just like we are. And obviously, as we grow in Christ, we do change, but who we are doesn't change. And God doesn't want to turn us into 
automatons. He doesn't want to turn us into robots. He wants us to have great diversity. So enjoy kingdom diversity. And then verse 7, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So there's a couple of things there. To each one, the manifestation or the gifts of the Spirit are given. And it's for the common good. Gifts aren't about me. For me to function or to flow or to be used by God in the gifts is not about me. I'm just a, I'm just a p- tool. I'm just a, 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 a pipe. Like if I'm out working in the garden in the summertime and I'm thirsty and I see the, there's a tap on the side of the house where there's water and I go over there and I drink it, I don't praise the tap. It just delivered the goods. And so you shouldn't praise the delivery boys. Uh, we're just taps. Uh, you know, it's not us. It's the spirit of the living God. And so it's important that we understand that. And then verse 8, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. We'll explain all of these in a minute. I'm going to do it very quickly. To another, the word of knowledge. And you have to come on Wednesday night. It's an absolute essential. You have to commit to it before you leave today. You cannot leave without saying, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That was me. That was not God. Okay. But it would really help you if you can so the word of wisdom is given by the Spirit. The word of knowledge is given by the Spirit. Uh, faith or special faith is really what it's talking about by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. Look at the diversity in that. Uh, and look at the supernatural nature of that. This is not boring stuff. You know, I understand people are kind of reluctant to get wild in their praise to God because that's not the image of church. The image of church is dead and dry and boring. But, you know, when, when we go to, uh, if, you're, if you're a Michigan or a Michigan State fan like, like Sharon is, uh, or, or you go to a Red Wings game, I mean, you don't sit there and just passively go. I mean, you get into it. I mean, I want to tell you if there's something, if there's something to be excited about, it's the great God. When Philip went down to Samaria in the 8th chapter of Acts and preached Christ, there were people coming to Christ, there were people being healed, there were people being delivered from demons, and it says there was great joy in that city. God brings great joy, and joy manifests through celebration. And so this is a picture of a living God manifesting himself amongst his people. And that gives God great pleasure, and it gives us great pleasure, too. Verse 11, but one and the same Spirit works all of these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Well, I personally believe God is willing more often than we are. He's more willing to distribute than we are to receive or to be a tool of the distribution. So there's no way that we can read this and think it's about us. There's no way that we can read this and think that we're somebody special because God used us. I think we're all special to God. You know, I I had a friend years ago, he said, we're all God's favorites. (laughs) And I believe that. He loves us. I mean, how do you pick? I've got two grandsons and, you know, I I tell John David, you're my favorite 11-year-old. And I tell Peter, you're my favorite 14-year-old grandson. I tell my granddaughter... Tallulah, you are my favorite granddaughter of all of my granddaughters. You're my favorite. We only got one. 
Well, that's the way God is with you. <laughs> All right, the gifts are the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. There's three gifts that reveal something or open our eyes to see something. It's the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. Then there's three gifts that do something. Special faith, gifts of healing, and working of miracles. Those are things that are produced or, or they work something, supernatural things. And then three gifts that say something. Prophecy, various kinds of tongues, that is languages unknown by the speaker. I don't know what language I used a minute ago. I have no idea. There are many languages that I speak when I speak in tongues, either privately as I do every day or publicly. It comes out differently. But the thing about the, the supernatural aspect of tongues is I haven't learned these things. The Bible says some tongues are heavenly tongues, some are earthly tongues. And so, but it's, it's, the issue is it's unknown to the speaker and then the interpretation of tongues. It's not translation, it's interpretation. Uh, and that's important to understand. We'll talk about those three on Wednesday night. Now, let's talk a minute about the word of wisdom. It's not talking about the gift of wisdom. It's not referring to wise people. Even people who aren't real wise can be used in this gift. I'm testimony to that. What is it? By definition, it's a revelation by the Spirit of God concerning people, places, and or things pertaining to our future. The word of wisdom can come through dreams or visions and very often comes by prophetic utterance. You can get a word of wisdom without speaking it. God can give you insight into something about the future. Uh, or it can, uh, God can give me insight about something in your future and I speak it. So that's an operation of the word of wisdom and prophecy together because prophecy always speaks, whereas the word of wisdom doesn't necessarily always speak. It's just something spoken to your heart. Then secondly, word of knowledge. It's not the gift of knowledge. It's not natural knowledge or intellectual prowess. It's a revelation by the Spirit of God concerning people and situations in the present or past. Um, we're going to look at a couple of illustrations of this. Word of knowledge can come through dreams or visions and very often comes by prophetic utterance. Then the discerning of spirits. It's not the gift of suspicion or speculation. It's not the gift of discernment and it's not fault finding. The definition, it is, so there is no real gift of discernment as far as the Bible is concerned. It's discerning of spirits. God will give us a discerning heart. There's no question about that by the Spirit. Defined it as revelation by the Spirit of God to discern the presence of demons or angels, both of which exist, and to recognize what spirit is behind certain activities. Then the manifestation of special faith. It's not natural human faith. It's not the faith that comes from hearing the Word of God. Romans 10, 17 says faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes through the Word of God. What is this manifestation of special faith? It is a spirit-supplied, unlimited faith in a specific situation to achieve the impossible. We'll give a couple of illustrations of that in a minute. Then the manifestation of the gifts of healings. Both gifts and healings are in uh, plural in the, in the Greek, and that just speaks of the diversity of it. It is not receiving healing by faith in God's word. Anybody can do that. I can see God's promise to me is that he bore my sicknesses and carried my diseases, and I can stand on that and receive that. But that's not the gift of healing. 
And it's not receiving healing through doctors and medicine. I'm going to have an operation on Friday on my ankle that's been out of sorts for many years. And, and I believe doctors will do that. And I look at that. That's God healing me through the doctors. But that's not the gift of healing. What is it? It is a spirit-supplied healing power through a person to heal instantly. It's through a person. And, and so people say faith healers. There's no such thing as faith healers. God's the faith healer. <laughs> he heals by faith. In other words, God moves, and sometimes he moves through people. He usually moves through people. When God did something in the Bible, it was through something through people. When God, sent, when God wanted to deliver the, deliver the children of Israel from Egypt, he sent a person. He sent Moses. When God wanted to save the world, he sent a man called Jesus. So God uses people. And then... Uh, the manifestation of working of miracles. It's a special momentary gift of authority by the Spirit, which enables a person by the anointing of God to intervene in the ordinary course of nature to do something otherwise impossible. And we'll use an illustration of that. Then prophecy, um, I'm not going to tell you what it's not. We'll do that on Wednesday night. The definition of prophecy, it's a supernatural utterance in a known tongue to edify, strengthen, and encourage the church. And various kinds of tongues. It's a supernatural utterance from God given in a language foreign to the speaker. And it's always used with interpretation of tongues when it's used publicly. Now, privately, we can pray in the Spirit, as I do every single day of my life, to build myself up, to strengthen myself, because I need strength for this journey the Lord has me on. But when it's used publicly, uh, like speaking, we can gather together uh, and we can pray in the Spirit, we can sing in the Spirit without need of interpretation. But it would be foolish for me to walk up to Kurt or David and just start speaking in tongues, and I have no interpretation. That would be foolishness. And that was the problem at the church in Corinth. And then the interpretation is the supernatural unfolding by the Holy Spirit through believer, the meaning of a message in tongues. And I'll talk about those three on uh, Wednesday night. Now, in Jesus' life, I want to use one, illust- I want to use one passage of four verses uh, to explain, to give an indication of both word of knowledge and gift of healing. That's in Mark 7, verses 32 through 35. A deaf man with a speech impediment was brought to him, and the people begged Jesus to lay his hands on the man to heal him. Jesus led him away from the crowd so they could be alone. He put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit on his own fingers and he touched the man's tongue. Can you imagine such a thing? I'll tell you, you better be hearing God if you do that to somebody. But that's what Jesus did. Why did Jesus, why in the world would Jesus put his fingers in the man's ears and why would he spit on his own fingers and then touch the man's tongue? Because the Holy Spirit told him to. That's a word of knowledge. This is my method for healing this man. Now, today, what we would do, we would do that to everybody. We just develop methods. We just think this is the way you get everybody healed. No, that's not it. It's the only time in the Bible we see Jesus healing somebody like this. So sometimes ministry to people, usually ministry to people takes obedience. It takes obedience for me to get up here and do this this morning. And so Jesus stuck his tongue in his ears. He spat on his hand and he stuck it on the man's tongue. How gross is that? Finger, what'd I say? Gotcha. 
And he looked up to heaven and he sighed saying, Ephatha, which is be open. That's in, in Syriac, which was the language that Jesus spoke most of the time. Instantly the man could hear perfectly and his tongue was free so he could speak plainly. That's the gift of healing. So it was word of knowledge and gift. A lot of times gift of healing comes by word of knowledge, which we use many illustrations on Wednesday night. Now, another example, personal word of wisdom. Uh, last year in January, in, uh, excuse me, in, in October, I think it was, maybe August, I think it was August. It was sometime last year in Johannesburg. Uh, there were a group of people who were being sent out to plant churches in other nations. So I was in this conference, and so they asked the team, the NCMI team, I'm a part of that, to come up and to pray. And so I just went up in obedience to their call and my eyes fixed on a young couple. I've never seen these people as far as I know. And all of a sudden, as I saw them, the Lord began to show me what they're called to do. Didn't know where they were going. And so I went to them and I spoke a word of wisdom about where they were going. And they began to weep and because it resonated with them because they knew. But I didn't know, but God knew. So that's word of wisdom. And then examples in Jesus' life of gifts of healing, Luke 13, 10 through 13. Um, now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. This is also, but it, it doesn't say that he cast the demon out, even though her sickness was because of a spirit but he healed her. So you've seen people walk like this? I've seen people, I actually have got a friend who walks fairly like this, fairly close. His is not a spirit, it's just a back condition. And Jesus saw her and he called her to him and notice what he said. He said, woman, you are loosed. He didn't say you're gonna be, he said you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorify God. That's the gift of healing and manifestation. And then I worked for a few years, and actually several years, I guess, for a minister in Tulsa, Oklahoma, by the name of Kenneth Hagan. He's in heaven now, but a man who greatly impacted my life in ways that I, I just think about daily almost because of the richness of the deposit. And so I was working with him one time. This was before they had wireless mics and he had a lapel mic that had a cord and so when he was praying for the sick they would line up like this and you had to keep, hold the cord to keep it out of the way because when he began to pray and people began to fall because what happens sometimes when you pray for people doesn't happen all the time sometimes when you pray for people it's happened to me before it's happened to all of us then what happens is, is the power of God comes into contact with us and we fall and there's a lot of people that give courtesy drops. You know, it became part of the charismatic renewal that, you know, if you prayed for, you have to drop. But a lot of people drop, and they weren't touched by God. They just did it because they felt like it was right. But anyway, so I'm standing there right behind him with the cord. And so there's this young lady. She's probably in her 30s, quite frail. And what he normally did, he would just put a hand on the left shoulder and hand on the head and pray and then move to the next one. But this lady puts his left hand on, his on her shoulder and he gives her a full karate chop. And he was about six feet, three inches tall, maybe six, two. 
and was heavy. And I mean, he gave her a full karate chop like that tomorrow, tomorrow. <laughs> and it would knock you into tomorrow, tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> and this lady fell. And I mean, I was, I, was, I was very green in this stuff. And I thought, oh my God. And she got up. She didn't even feel it. And he did not know it, but this lady had uh, issues with her spine to where they, her neck, two, three vertebrae had been frozen and that broke them free. She was instantly healed. That same night, this man came up, probably in his 70s, stocky kind of guy, and he's standing there. And Kenneth Hagin, once again, he, he reaches out like he's going to pray for him, but he spins the man around and he does right like that in the middle of his spine, hits him. He says, run. That old man ran out that aisle through the vestibule back here, instantly healed of spinal cancer. Well, why would he do that? Because God told him to. Why would God tell him to? Well, it's obedience for him, and it's a sign and a wonder. Why would Jesus spit on his fingers and put it on the man's tongue? Because the Holy Spirit said so. And so there's sometimes strange things happen. I've seen other strange things happen. Uh, most of the time, it's not like that. I would never hit you. <laughs> if you get in a healing line, my plan is never to hit you. But if God told me to, I probably would, but that's not happened in the 40-some years I've been involved in ministry. Maybe I'm just not obedient enough. And some other personal examples. When many years ago, when we were, in, uh, we were planting a church in Tennessee, and... Um, very good friends of ours, their baby. Uh, anyway, what happened? They, they had to go somewhere on a Tuesday night or Wednesday night or whatever, and they could not find a babysitter. And I, even though I was the pastor of the church, uh, we were with them that afternoon and said, I, I just, we want to go to that. We really need to go, but can't find a babysitter. I said, well, I'll babysit. I'll take care of Daniel. And said, well, while you're at it, why don't you pray for him? He's got a hernia. He was born with a hernia. And so that night what I did... I, you know, I walked around with Daniel and I prayed over him in the spirit and I commanded the hernia to be, to be healed. And they got back and Daniel was asleep and the next morning they called me and said, Daniel's hernia is completely gone. And there were times I remember when Minda, when she was very young, um, probably if one, maybe two, not quite two, and she had high fever one night. We woke up and she had a high fever and so I just took her in my arms and I spent a few hours just praying in the spirit over her and rebuking the fever and the fever went down. And these are things that all of us can do if we'll do it. I'm not saying you can't take her to the hospital. It just didn't make sense that night for whatever reason. If we thought she was deathly ill, we would definitely take her to the hospital. And then one time, um, honey, won't you come and, and share? Just talk close to me. Talk close. Okay, get that one. Just give you an example of the gift of faith, okay? I was, uh, it's been about 16 years ago now, but my mother had colon cancer, which had spread to her lungs, and she was having chemotherapy, and the chemotherapy almost killed her. I mean, it was just, she was just, uh, she was in the hospital, and uh, there was, the day came where she was deathly ill, and the doctors came by the room in the hospital room and tried to prepare me for what was happening to mom. And even the nurse that night was saying, 
to me, you do realize what's happening, don't you? And I was just didn't want to acknowledge it because I've been praying and releasing my faith. And so Minda and I stayed in the in her hospital room that night, and it get, she had all appearance of, of that she was getting ready to pass away. I mean, I've had nursing training, and I've been around when people have died, and I know the symptoms and the pattern of breathing that she was in and the fact that she was totally out of it. But we were praying around in the room around her bed, and at one point uh, during the night, I can remember just um, looking up in the corner of the room. There's nothing significant about the corner. But as I looked up, I had a vision of seeing Jesus just standing with his arms wide open like this. Just standing with his arms open, but looking down at me. And I just knew that, this, that he was ready to receive mom, that that was that that was what was happening, that heaven was prepared to receive her right then, that night. And I just felt faith rising up in me. And I can remember just taking a stance and with intensity of courage and passion, I just said, Jesus, can heaven just wait? Can heaven just wait? I didn't plan to say that. It just was... With everything that was in me, it just came out. Can heaven just wait? And I mean, within a matter of an hour or so, Mama's breathing got better. She came out of whatever state she had been in. She became more alive. And we began to communicate with her. And it was obvious that she wasn't going then. You know, it became obvious. She was released from the hospital. And we had her at home a few more months before she passed away. And it was quality time that we had with her as a family. We were able to communicate all we wanted to say to her, worshiped with her. And when she did pass away, it was very peaceful, homegoing, where we actually rejoiced and celebrated in those moments. So much better than it would have been in the hospital over sadness. So I just thought, as I look back on it, I said, God, that was, that didn't feel like it was just my faith being exercised. It was a gift of faith. It was something the Holy Spirit did through me at that moment. And I thank God for his gifts. Amen. Um, I, I want to begin to close. Probably the key word is begin, but it's not going to take long. Um, but I, I want to say this. There's a, there's a verse in 1 Corinthians 14. It's the 31st verse. It says, you can all prophesy one by one. Every believer can prophesy. So I, I want to sh- give that to you as something to set as a goal, to see yourself, that God would use you to prophesy. Prophecy is not telling the future. Sometimes it delivers a word of wisdom, which is about the future. But general prophecy is edification, exhortation, and comfort. What I did with tongues and interpretation was really tongues plus interpretation equals prophecy. It's the same thing as prophecy. It just comes by tongues and interpretation. It was a general instruction, edification, exhortation, and comfort. And God wants to speak. First time I ever did that, it was a simple little picture of how just like a baby begins as a little tiny embryo, that's where our faith does. And it was something that just, it, it, it was amazing to me that God would give me that picture. And, and God's a no respecter of persons. You can all prophesy one by one. But I want us to look at what 1 Corinthians 12 does in these verses. I'm going to read them rapidly. Verse 14 through 27. The body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body. 
Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body. Is, there for, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? And if the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, these members of the body, which seem to be weaker, are necessary. And I'll skip the next few verses. Uh, actually, that passage l l ends with this. Now you are the body of Christ and members or parts in particular. So our theme today is one body, many parts. It's a, this is a vivid comparison of the body of Christ, the church, with the physical body. And Paul just does a beautiful job of that, that just like we have a physical body that has many parts, the body of Christ is a body that has many different parts. And Paul begins with two parts that seem inferior or unglamorous in comparison to two others that seem superior or glamorous. And we're dealing with an issue here that happens too often in the body of Christ, and that is comparison. And, and the Word of God tells us comparison is a bad road to start down. It says we're not wise if we compare. How can I compare myself to you? That's foolish. And so first is the foot comparing to the hand and the ear compared to the eye. Verse 15, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? In these comparison, comparisons, the foot and ear are pitying their lot and placement in the body. And they're saying, because I'm not thus and so, then I'm not part of the church. And, and that's the way the enemy can get into our thinking. Well, you know, I, I don't ever, I'm never asked to preach, so I guess I'm not important. I guess I'm just chopped liver. But you know, that's not what God is saying in this whole picture. We have unglamorous parts and we have glamorous parts. Foot to the hand, poor feet, poor ears. You women with long hair, we don't ever see your ears. They're always hidden. And we wear shoes in the wintertime. We don't ever see the feet. And the poor old feet, they have to carry the load of the whole body. And when I, when I proposed to Nita, I took her by the hand and I looked her in the eye. I didn't take her by the foot and look her in the ear. <laughs> so the hand and the eye get the attention. You know, when we dated, we didn't hold feet. We held hands. And so the, 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 the eyes and the hands get the attention. When we get up in the morning, we don't go into the, in, in, look in the mirror and check out our ears. We check out our eyes. It's the first thing. We wash our hands daily and we trim our fingernails regularly, but our four, poor feet, at most, they get washed once a day, if that. And our toenails, whoever knows, when the... <laughs> When the holes come through the socks, that's when we trim our toenails. But our feet always are carried, and, and, and so our ears are covered with the hair of the head. Then he compares glamorous to glamorous, the eye to the hand, and the glamorous to the unglamorous, the head to the feet. 
In these comparisons, there is no condescending speech permitted from those parts perceived glamorous to the unglamorous. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Clearly, the eye needs the hand. Just get a speck of something in your eye and what happens? The hand comes to the rescue with the fingers. And then Jesus is the head of the church and he will never say, even to what people may be considered the lowest members of his body, the feet, I have no need of you. So the picture here is this. I don't know how God wants to use you, but God needs that. No matter what anybody thinks about it, no matter what you think about it, God needs that. And here's something we have to understand. There is no hierarchy of these gifts. It doesn't say that one gift is better. It says that that prophesying to the church is better than speaking in tongues to the church. And when it tells us to desire spiritual gifts, it says especially that you may prophesy. That's very important. But just because you're not used in a certain way doesn't mean that you're not important. And just because you're not used in a certain way now doesn't mean that you're not going to be. Now here's what I want to do today. Whether or not you've ever been used by God to operate through any of the gifts, one of the verses we emphasize is 1 Corinthians 14.1. It says, desire earnestly spiritual gifts. I want everybody to close your eyes. Before you do, let me just tell you this. Over the last few weeks, I have been crying out to God. There was a time that I was used with quite frequently to either give tongues and interpretation or prophesy. That's fallen off a bit. And there's been seasons where I did more and did less. But I have been crying out to God, God, I desire to be used. I desire spiritual gifts. You told me desire earnestly spiritual gifts. So I've been crying out to God for that. I didn't come planning this. That began to build in me during the praise and worship time. And so the first thing is you desire earnestly spiritual gifts. So just close your eyes. And I want you to ask God to use you. If you can do that in faith. I'm not forcing it. If you cannot in faith pray that, then I would encourage you not to do that. But if it's something, as you've heard about the gifts, you've seen the manifestation of the gifts, if it's something you really desire, then I ask you right there to ask God quietly, God, I desire earnestly spiritual gifts to be used of you, God, to be a blessing to others, to bring edification to others, to help people. The gifts of the Spirit are tools God has given to help people. Just ask God for that. Just ask God for that. And I encourage you to ask, continue, desire earnestly spiritual gifts.
Now let me ask you this. Any of you who just prayed that prayer, do you feel like you have something to give to anybody? Nobody's on the spot, no pressure. Do any of you feel you have something? Do you feel like God gave you something? That first time I was used, I heard somebody speak in tongues publicly, and I just quietly in my heart, I didn't even utter it in my mouth, Lord, I would like to be used to give that interpretation, and God gave me the interpretation. We have not because we ask not. Anybody, anybody. All right, let me ask you this. Is anybody here need healing of any kind for anything? You, you've got sickness in your body. You've got pain in your body. Uh, you've got anything that you would like to be prayed for. If we're all healthy, that's wonderful. But anybody, just don't be bashful. I'm not going to pull you up here and lay hands on you and you fall down, so relax. I'm not even going to pray for you. Anyone, anyone. You need to be prayed for. I'm going to tell you, I need to be prayed for. I've got a serious issue. It's serious because it hurts. I don't think it's serious, but it just hurts. I've got a problem with my shoulder. I think it's because of the way I sleep, and I'm tired of it. It's quite painful. And I, I don't want any of the leaders to pray for me unless you just feel like you've got unction. But anybody else, you just feel that you want to step out in faith and pray for me because you know you're supposed to be used by God. It's available to you. You would just like to do that. Please don't be bashful. Yes. Right. He was healed, but I just feel like if there's someone here that they have a problem with their knees, uh, I just feel like that today is their day. That if you have problems with your knees, I believe that that's you know that that's a word of knowledge or wisdom or whatever. Right. Their, their, their knees would get healed today. Anybody got a knee problem of any kind? Marilyn and Maria. Receive, do you want to receive that? You receive that? You receive that? Uh, would you like to pray for them? Sure. Why don't you pray for both of them? Sure. You can just go to them. Sure, sure. Mario, why don't you come, come here and pray with me? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. You know what it's like. This is a workshop. Yeah. Come on. Let's pray for you and grandma. Yeah. You know, if, you, if you're timid about these things, I can identify. Go ahead and pray. I can remember years ago that I would go to a, where teaching was, and if they had any kind of activation, I got uncomfortable. I didn't want to respond because I just thought, I'm not, this is not, not what I'm used to. I can understand that. But we want to help you. We want to help you move beyond where you are. Uh, we don't want to push. Uh, it's the Holy Spirit who moves you, but sometimes we can help. And so I, I encourage you, make that prayer to God on a regular basis. God, I desire earnestly spiritual gifts.